This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, on a recent podcast, you were talking about projecting and shooting for a 15% profit. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from that. People uh, asking questions and wondering why you have that profit so low. So tell us more. Tell me why. Tell me why a 15% profit. Tell me what that looks like for you. So one, it's just a number. I think you need a number. For me, it was a number that backing my way into it, it allowed me to target kind of an overall organizational profit margin. If I'm in a traditional independent agency, retail agency versus the group management and that piece, then I might target a slightly higher profit margin. I might target a slightly lower profit margin. For for me, it was an all-in operating profit number that included compensation, including executive and owner compensation. And I think some of the confusion that maybe I sensed is someone's like, well, my profit margin's way higher than that, but they're not including their own compensation. They're not including owner compensation in that number. And so you can manipulate that number, but then you're just lying to yourself, which isn't good for your business. And for me, it was, I need a number that I can look at things X contingency. I'm going to pull out a lot of large commercial accounts can be considered at risk. If you lose them, they make a significant impact to your revenue especially something that's 10 or 15% of your revenue, if it's a one large commercial account. So I'm going to exclude large commercial accounts. I'm going to exclude profit sharing and contingency dollars, and I'm going to get to an operating figure. And I want that operating profit margin to be 15% or higher. That's, that's my number, and that's kind of the basis, and that includes owner compensation. Why do you take contingency and bonuses out when looking at your profit margin? Well, they're not guaranteed. If I expect a bonus, so think about it on a personal level, right? If you, if you're a, just an employee of an organization, a company out there and you have a salary and you have a bonus opportunity, well, what happens if you build your budget on expected bonuses and you don't make your bonus? then you're going to be upside down on your personal finances. Something's going to, you know, you're going to start having to pull money out of savings. You're going to have to go get a loan. You're going to go in debt. Things are going to happen. I think the same approach when it comes to your agency finances is, is prudent. I think that you can't just depend on annual contingency dollars. You can't depend on hitting that every year. Weather happens. Um, risk losses happen you know we've seen we've seen some things here in texas certainly along the gulf coast that has been erratic over the last you know decade you can go to years where it was great years where it was you got skunked it was zero snowmageddon Um, snowmageddon we had snowmageddon the great freeze out in texas in 2021 these things happen right and so i have found actually agents that are including profit sharing they just received in the decision to go hire someone. I think that's really risky. I think if it's a producer and you're going to use contingency dollars and profit sharing dollars to maybe help launch a producer, okay, right? I might can go with that. 
um, because that producer should be able to reach a point to pay for themselves at some point. And so if you map that out correctly, that might work. A lot of times carriers want agents to do that. That's why they promote profit sharing contingency dollars at the carrier level is because they're wanting agents to reinvest those dollars in growing their agency. Sometimes agents do that. Sometimes agents put that money in their pocket, buy a cool toy. You know, they always wanted a, a, a really big boat and they bought a boat. And so whatever, whatever. Yeah, we, we, we boat shopped at our house last week. Yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever you need to do, it's your business, right? And, you, you know, I get it. But I think when it comes down to being prudent with your finances and operating your agency for the long game, excluding unexpected income is just a smart move. I mean, we can count on that personal lines commission, that small to mid-sized commercial commission dollars. But if you go out there and you have this half a million dollar account that generates 75000 in revenue for you, and it just so turns out that that 75000 in revenue happens to be 15% of your total revenue, I'm backing that out when I'm looking at my budgeting and I'm looking at my operating margin, right? That's not an operating margin dollar because you can lose that account next year. And that's a big deal. You lose $75,000 worth of revenue, 15% of your revenue, then you've got staff that you've hired that are there that are being paid because of that revenue, what are you going to do? More than likely, unfortunately, you're going to have to cut staff, which I don't love. I hate that, right? Because that's people's livelihoods that you're playing with. And so I just think as agency owners, it should be taken seriously to the point that, you know, it's on us to really think about this. And I like the idea of thinking about it as an operating profit and a profit margin around what I call operating profit, things you can count on. So what do you suggest doing with that contingency bonus with profit sharing with those extra dollars. What do you think are the best use of those in your business? A hunting trip to Alaska. Doesn't that sound good? A hunting trip to no, no, no. Like a glacier viewing trip to Alaska, but I don't know about hunting. To me, it's more like ten days in Monte Carlo. There you go. I think you reinvest in your business, um, but again, that's the long play. Should you take? compensation out of the yes yes i think owners should take compensation out of that um but i think it should be a percentage i don't think it should be all of it i think you have to reinvest in your business if you want to grow your business i think you've you've generated that opportunity it's not guaranteed it's extra gravy money i think it's okay that you pay down debt with that money i think that's a that's a really if you have debt I I love paying down debt. I'm not a debt fan at all, especially in a world we're living in right now with increasing inflation and the risk of hyperinflation. The last thing you want to be doing is holding a bunch of debt, um, have rates adjusted and, and so forth. I read a statistic yesterday that was talking about in the year 2022, for the average American, it would take an extra $5,400 for them to have the same lifestyle they had last year. Yeah. Inflation's a killer. Even at rate increases and sort of the built-in inflationary measures to our revenue as agents, we we risk losing accounts. Uh, Obviously, that disruption gives us new account opportunities, but that's a lot of extra work for the same dollar. And so, you know, individually, like, I mean, my house is feeling it at the grocery store like everybody else's. Uh, Grocery store is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm not the most versed on food prices and things, but if I notice it, if I notice what's going on, I mean, yeah, I know the gasoline deal, right? That's obvious. I know the certain parts of the world that maybe I pay attention to. But, you know, when you when you see what's happening around certain areas of everyday living, 
and what's happening to, to household budgets and, and expenses is it's very, very frustrating, right? Um, it's a very frustrating thing because now you're not keeping up with where you were. And, and that that's the same thing when it comes to what's happening with your money and the power of inflation to just eat into the value of the dollar. I think that's a real risk for our agencies when it comes to any debt that we hold. Let's talk about living out of our agency checking account. Mm. Is that wrong? Don't do it. Just don't do it. Do not do it. You know, it's it is a pet peeve of mine. It's it is something that I think maybe comes from not maybe owning a business your entire life or maybe you had maybe you're transitioned from a job where you were an employee and now you're an owner and you never transition your mindset from employee to owner and it kind of goes back to why 15% right I, and by the way it, I don't care if you pick 20% or 12% or 3% I just I just would like to see you pick a a profit margin percentage as a percentage of revenue so just just for clarity there but I think this is where some of this comes from is when you don't do that, your tendency is is that the income that you're making is what happened that month. You don't give yourself a paycheck or a salary. Agents that live out of their their business tend to not set parameters. They they tend to not set those parameters around their personal spending. And they tend to blur that into their business. And then they look up and wonder why they don't have the cash to hire someone or take that next growth step, whatever that might be, a marketing program or hire a, hire a new staff member. And, and the reality of it is, is they, they lived out of it. So the money's gone. The money was there. Now it's gone. And now I don't have money to invest in my business. What does living out of the business checking account mean to you? The first thing I think it means is if I need a little extra money personally, I just write a check out of the business to myself, right? So it's no set payroll. It's no set. I'm not talking, you know, set your payroll and then bonus yourself if you make extra money or do something that gives it some kind of parameter or contextualization of what you have for your personal side. Because living out of it means that it doesn't mean you're paying your electric bill with your business checking account at your house. That's not what I'm talking about. What I think that could be perceived. Well, is that even expensable? No, it shouldn't be. Right. And most people think about living out of your business as they're they're paying for personal expenses out of the business. Well, if you're doing that and you get caught, you're going to get in trouble. Number two, most of the time, it's an indirect version of that, right? So it's, okay, Shane, I'm going to pay myself $3,000 a month and and then I'm going to bonus myself. Okay, great. But I bonus myself because I want a new truck, not because I made money. That's a version of living out of your business. I'm going to take a vacation, but I really can't afford to take a vacation, but there's cash over here. And I know I want to grow the business to X, but we're going to go over here. We're going to take a trip to Costa Rica and I need some money to do that. So I just write the check out of the business. Well, okay. But if you couldn't have done that out of your personal pay, then you're sabotaging your business for that personal gain. And I don't like things like that because what you're doing is you're running your business on a short-term mindset. You're not running your business on the long-term mindset. And that's my struggle with folks that do that. I may be stepping on toes here with this, but at the same time, it's it's a very conservative, conservative approach to, to how to handle the business versus just kind of a hully-gully mindset around the business cash. Did you just say the word hully-gully? I do. I use that word a lot. I've never heard you say holy gully before. Really? I I don't even know what that means. You don't? 
No. Holly gully is another, it's a, it's an unsophisticated definition for total chaos. Holly gully. Holly gully. Absolutely. I'm going to use that word three times today to add it to my vocabulary. That's good. You should. Holly gully. Is that like a Texas thing? Because we don't holly gully in Louisiana. It's, it, well, we, we holly gully all the time in Texas. Just tell me. It almost sounds like some kind of jitterbug dance move. It's a holly gully. <laughs> it may be. Maybe. I don't even know where it came from. I didn't even know it was in my vocabulary, but I use it all the time, I think. Okay, now I'm looking this up. It is a dance. Is it? It is. A, it's a song by the Olympics. Is it's it a, a dance. Is it it's, like a it roaring is, 20s dance? It is, a, it is a dance. It's an unstructured dance that is considered to have originated in the 60s, but was also mentioned 40 years earlier. 20s. There you go. There we go. It How about that? Holly Gully. Hey, for all you history folks, a lot of stuff happened in the 20s that seemed to repeat itself in the 60s, and we're paying for it now. I'm just saying. And it's also a phrase in the pro wrestling world as a predicament where the wrestler finds himself hanging between the ring ropes or possibly tangled within the ropes. It was that's made a, famous by Dusty Rhodes. It's, that's a perfect definition of Holly Gully. You, I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. I, see, that worked. It wasn't a Shaneism. It was actually a real applied definition, a term for the thing I was trying to portray. It was a so. Dusty Rhodesism. <laughs> <laughs> You're a finance guy. What else do we need to know about how to run our business day to day looking from a financial perspective? Well, 101, don't spend more than you have. Think about capitalization of your business. Are you Are you well capitalized? Well, I think that the agents that I see starting agencies today that are doing it in a bootstrap manner are so much better, not only short term, but long term, because it's kind of it kind of sets them and sets the tone. The individuals that go out and either get money from family members or they're provided some what I would call a long leash of, of capital that maybe they are not as committed to having to pay back a parent, a family, you know, intra-family loan, money coming to the, the child to start an agency where there's not as much guideline around that. There's not, there's just not enough restriction around what you can do is not unlike really bad student loans where, where kids don't actually use the money for the proper thing. And then they're stuck with student loans. I think that what happens there is when you have this excess money to start your business with, you tend to spend what you have. So then you don't put the constraints on yourself. But when you bootstrap it, I think you tend to put constraints naturally. And I think that works better long term for you as an agency owner because it it showed you the right way to do it. I used to read an article uh, in Inc. Magazine, and I forget the name of the, the guy that wrote the article, but he talked to businesses about doing your books on a ledger form with a pencil instead of starting out with QuickBooks or with an accounting system. And the reason he had people do that was he wanted them to see, have to write down and see very clearly where the money was going. It was really, really smart. Now it's pain in the butt and it's a lot extra work on accounting, right? But when you have to do that, when you have to sit there and and keep a ledger book of where the money's going, you tend to pay really, really, really close attention. As opposed to Holy Gully, where you don't necessarily know, and at the end of the month, there's, you know, or at the end of the quarter, the CPA calls and says, hey, 
you realize that you spent $25,000 and you brought in $2,000, right? So having that awareness of some mechanism in order to track what you're doing, potentially on a manual basis initially, is going to make you stronger. So a new survey from Clutch shows that only 54% of small business owners had a budget in 2021. See, that doesn't surprise me. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all. But not having any idea of what your budget ha- should be for your business and then making adjustments, that's like going into a game without a playbook. Exactly. Let's just go out and let players run on the field and see what happens. Well, what's going to happen is the other team is going to run right through you and make a touchdown. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And I think it goes back to maybe it's contributed by the fact that we're not paying attention to our personal finances. Maybe that's part of the contribution at the at the agency ownership level is if that's not happening in the independent agency system very well and agents are living out of their business, are they living out of their business because the personal side isn't really structured, isn't really taken care of? And that's that's a theory of mine is it's basically the business becomes the bank. It becomes the bank, right? It becomes this sort of internalized bank for the agency owner. I've even been at a spot where I've seen agents that had cash registers. And I thought that was so weird. But anyway, I saw it. And it, it was this, I, I watched the element of we were going to go to lunch. And I was in a marketing rep role um, with this a, this particular agent. And we were going to go to lunch. And he wanted to buy me lunch. And so he went to the cash register and got some cash out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that? <laughs> what? Where, first of all, what is that money for? I thought it was for your payments. Well, it turned out that this particular agent, yeah, they took payments, but they charged a payment fee. So that fee was the agency's income, and he was just running up to the cash register and grabbing 100 bucks out so he could go take me to lunch. Blew my mind. And I'm like, I have way, I am not cultured enough, evidently, because I just, I'd never seen it before. I never, I just couldn't get my head around it. And yet this was an agency owner. You know, I was in my 20s. He was in his, at that point in time, late 50s. I'm like, this guy's 30 years mentor level to me, 30 years ahead of me. And this is what he's doing. And I just, that was not the way I was raised. You could never do that. I just think there's things out there where maybe the personal side is causing our businesses to not be as disciplined. And in consulting with business owners over the years, I've actually seen a lot of instances of almost the opposite, where people feel guilty about paying themselves. It's like they forget that they're an employee and they forget to compensate themselves in a way that allows them to pay for what they need to pay for. And then all of a sudden they're in a they're in a cash crunch at home. So they grab it out of the business because when they do set a budget or when they do say this is what I'm going to pay myself, they're underpaying themselves up front. I think we had some panels at, at our uh, conference a couple of weeks ago where there was some discussion around, you know, backing your way into like, what do you need to make? I mean, don't be ridiculous. Like, well, I need to make a million dollars a year. Well, okay. You know, but it it doesn't mean you can't. That's a great goal. But think about what you need when you're going to start a, a business. What life stage are you in, to your point? And that's where you need to start. And that's what you need to be looking to do. And you need to think about the capitalization of your business with that in mind. If you've got to have $5,000 a month of income, in order to pay your bills, and you've already gone into this with this mindset that I've cut everything I know to cut. 
personally in order to start this business. I am I am where I, I'm at the bones. I'm bare bones at this point. Well, there's your dollar figure. It shouldn't be that hard to come up with of what your business needs to do in order to pay yourself. But then you also have to add this capitalization piece. Like, do I have enough money? Where am I going to get the money while I'm doing this? While I'm Because we're talking startups here in this case. If you're going to start an agency, do I have enough money available that I can pull from? Can I borrow money from a 401k that I started at XYZ company? Or do I have money in savings? Or am I going to have to go get a loan to start this business? The only problem I have with getting a loan to start an insurance agency is you're not buying equipment. You're paying yourself with loaned money or you're buying leads or you're you're setting you're spending marketing dollars with loaned money with debt. So there's nothing there that you have that you can sell back, that you can help pay back if there's a failure. I don't love that. I see a lot of agents that get themselves in trouble and then spend several years digging out of a hole because they went that route. I don't love that answer. I don't love and maybe you're not ready. That's okay, right? We'll wait on you, right? The industry's gonna wait for you. We want you over here, but but you may not be ready. You may be at a spot where you need to stick it out three more years, save a little bit more, get to a little better capitalization spot, and then maybe you can make that leap. But I, I see that happening more times than not as well. And I've seen way too many people put a second mortgage on their house to have the capital to start their business. Not a fan. Me either. But I want to go back to budgeting for just a second, because I think if you're not budgeting within your business, you're not paying attention to your sales cycles either. We have an agent, let's call him Bob. And Bob very specifically does not like to work very hard in September, October, November, because he wants to be getting ready for tailgating, tailgating, and going to football games. Those are his goals for October, November, and December. And so he has specifically created a sales cycle within his organization so he doesn't have to work as hard during those months. But beyond that, everything is cyclical in in our business. There are times of the year that people buy insurance and there's times of the year that people don't buy insurance. It's because they're buying new things or they're not buying new things. And if you're not budgeting, you're not being able to pay attention to that sales cycle. And then you're going to get to January and all of a sudden no one is buying a new house and no one's buying a new car. And then there's no rev- there's no new revenue. In my 27 years, in the month of June, Integra has never made a profit. People don't buy insurance in May, evidently. They don't renew in May. They don't buy insurance in May. I'm talking about from a traditional or retail agency standpoint. I'm not not necessarily talking about from the group and, and so forth. But in East Texas, in the agency that has been here since 1983, I can't 100% attest to this pre-1995, but I've got a really, really strong inclination that from 1983 to 1995, it didn't make a profit either in June because they didn't make any money before 1995, in my opinion. You know, they just didn't. <laughs> they were they were paying the agency to keep it afloat. I know during my days, during my time, we made money, you know, February through May, and I'm talking about receiving that income, right? We made money February, March, April, May, and we had to make enough money to pay for June. Now, we, we had revenue in June, but the expenses didn't go down in June for May, and we just never made any money. We never make any money in never made any money in December either. Now, what does that say about December and or January? January is another tough one. So there are certain months of the year that our agency here in East Texas has never really made any money on a monthly basis. 
And it's back to that cycle. It's back to that that cycle piece that, that you're talking about. And if you're living out of your agency and you're paying based on the money, you know, not based on some kind of structure, but just randomly based on whatever's there or whatever you did last month that you received this month, well, then you're going to pay yourself a little more. Well, then you're going to run into the June of your world. That may, I don't know what, what your month is. I don't know what three months you're going to have trouble with. And then guess what's going to happen? Well, now you don't have any money and now you're upside down and now you're trying to cover your checking account. And oh my goodness, Susie needs a dance outfit. Ashley needs a a new, new softball equipment. What are you going to do now? And so there's this element of structure, I guess, that I'm after, that I'm pushing agents towards is just creating this structure. It doesn't matter that the structure be big or, or small. It just matters that you have some structure. Growing a business takes capital and growing a business takes sacrifice for agency owners. And it really is for any business, but particularly independent agency owners. It's such a great business. But at the same time, you have to understand that there have to be constraints. You have to put constraints around yourself. You can you can grow and you can write business. And then, you know, if there's so many things there that if you don't put some structure around your personal finances, and you let that bleed over into your business, this blurring of those two worlds can get you in trouble. And so I, I just beg almost, maybe that's that's too strong of a word, but I almost beg agency owners to put structure around your personal finances, around what you're paying yourself so that your business can grow, so that your capital can grow, so that you can reinvest that capital. And please do not use contingency and profit sharing dollars to run the operations, month-to-month operations, annual operations of your business. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Time will show you that what seems to be a huge sacrifice today will be one of the biggest investments that you've made in your life. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com. Ready to get the ball rolling with your end Independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com.